This podcast was brought to you by Pastor Brian Calstrip and Fellowship Church. For more information, visit thefellowship.church. Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, we just come before you. And we just thank you so much for today. Father, we, uh, we are uh, excited about what it is that's going to take place in the lives and in the hearts of us this morning as the Holy Spirit uh, speaks to each and every one of us. And we just thank you, Father, for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, hey, last week we started uh, a series entitled Great, Greater Things, and uh, we kind of delved into this idea of uh, the fact that, that God wants greater things for you and I. Uh, you remember last week we talked about the fact that uh, Jesus stated in John 14 that, that he, he said, I have done these things, and not only that, but you will do greater things than, than I. You know, and sometimes I think as believers, it's kind of hard to wrap our head around that, but the truth still remains that he said that we as believers will do greater things than he did. Uh, in, um, in Ephesians, this was kind of another uh, scripture that we looked at. In Ephesians 3.20, Paul said this. It says, now to God who can do so many awe-inspiring things, immeasurable things, greater things than we could ever ask or imagine. Okay, you guys are kind of quiet today, so say it with me. God wants to, God wants to do, do greater things. Greater. Amen. He does. He wants to do greater things, and he's going to do greater things in us, inside of us, and through us. And so today I want to continue this this. Uh, this time of talking about greater things and uh, because, you know, last week what we did is we looked at the first three chapters of Ephesians, which really talked about uh, just uh, God's plan for the church. He, he, he you know, for many, many uh, years and decades, it was a mystery to people what it was that God was up to. And uh, he used Paul to explain and bring to light this mystery that, that God was bringing people together. He was bringing uh, uh, people of the world the Gentiles and he was bringing Jews together as one and we looked we looked at that and and uh, and in Ephesians 1 in the first chapter how many of you guys went home and read Ephesians 1 2 and 3 in the message version. You gotta go home and read Ephesians 1, 2, and 3 in the message version. It's awesome. It'll really help you to see what this, what, what the church is all about. You know, a lot of times I think we think, well, I'm just gonna go to the church. You know, Sunday is the morning that we go to the church. But what we need to realize is, is that this is just a building. It's just a place, right? But, but what God was saying was is that you and I are the church, right? We could go anywhere and gather, and when we gather, that is his body. We are the body of Christ. And, and so, you know, in Ephesians 1, Paul was really talking about expressing Christ's fullness, that the church expresses Christ's fullness in the earth. I like what one commentator said about Ephesians 3 was is that, that, that we are to be empowered, we're to be equipped, we're, we're to be matured, and we are to to be uh, where that's supposed to take place so that we can extend, extend Christ's victory over evil. Extend Christ's victory over evil. Do you live your life that way? Do you live your life thinking, okay, you know what? I've been empowered. I've been, I've been given the ability. I am the church and I am supposed to be walking this earth to extend his
his power over the enemy, over the devil, over his works. We are to be sent out into a world because we've been empowered by Christ. We are his body, we are his hands, we are his feet, and we are to take him to this world, amen? And so today I wanna continue on because you know we saw a very clear picture in Ephesians 1, 2, and 3 about the church and its importance and how much God loves it and how much he wants to do greater things. But I find something to be very, very interesting, and that is what Paul said immediately after what we looked at last week. And look at this, here in Ephesians 4, and this is really the basis for what it is that we're gonna be talking about this morning. And it's, and it's, and it's, it's pretty amazing, so I hope you're as excited about this as I am. Look what it says here in Ephesians 4, 1 through 3. It says, therefore, this is still Paul talking, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, I beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. He's begging you and I, he's begging believers to live a life worthy of the calling of God. It goes on, always be humble and gentle, be patient with each other. How many of you guys were patient with your kids this morning as they got ready for, for church? How many of you guys, how many of you wives were patient with your husband who walked slowly to the car? I don't think you were. No, it says that we are to be patient with each other, making allowances for each other. Ooh, how many of you guys make allowances for your, for your husband's shortcomings? How many of you husbands make allowances for your wife's shortcomings or an overspending? I didn't say that out loud. I'm sorry. <laughs> Maybe you need to make an allowance for him. Never mind. Okay, verse three. This is really what I wanted to get to. Verse three, make every effort to keep yourselves united. Make every effort to keep yourselves united. United. Paul is saying to the church, he's saying to believers, you need to make every single effort that you can to uh, keep yourselves united. I like what the Amplified Bible says. It says, strive earnestly to guard and to keep the harmony and the oneness. How many of you guys are striving to keep unity? Striving to keep unity in your marriage? Striving to keep unity in your family? Striving to keep unity in the church? That's what Paul is saying. He's saying, I want you to strive earnestly to keep and to guard harmony and oneness, to be united. We have to work hard. It's not just something that's just gonna happen, right? It, we have to, each and every day, it's, you know, we are two, like in a marriage relationship, we are two individuals, and so, some of us have likes and dislikes. And so it's, there's going to be times where it's like, I, you know, we decide we're going to go to eat somewhere. And if I say, hey, I want to go there. No, I don't want to go. What do you mean you don't want to go there? I want to go there. You know, and so there's that friction. But we have to strive for unity, strive for oneness. So in your notes, we must strive. We must strive for unity. Why would Paul tell us to make every single effort? And why would he tell us to strive earnestly to guard and keep the unity and one? And, and, and I, I'll tell you why. He, he did it because, think about it, guys. We discovered last week that, that, that God wants to do great things. He wants to do great things in this earth. He wants to do great things in our lives. He wants to do great things for our church. He wants to do great things in this world. But Paul is saying, he's continuing on, that this, this is really kind of the key to it all. If we want to see these great things for us personally, if we want to see these great things for, for our family and for our church, we have to be in unity. And so why is unity so important? These are some of the questions that we're going to ask today or an answer is why is unity so important? And why is de division so devastating? Because division is devastating. And what do we lose out on? on 
when we don't have unity in our life. You know, the opposite of being united is what? It's division. Look at what Galatians 5.19 says. And we, kinda, we looked at this here a few weeks ago, but this is Paul again writing. And he says, now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contention, jealousy, outbursts of wrath. And then I want you to note these three, selfish ambitions, dissension and heresy and those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God and so what Paul is saying is is he's saying listen this list right here these are really works of the flesh these are things that that if you practice them, and what does practice mean? Practice means that you're just, you're just doing it. It's just a, it's a process. It's, it's what you do day in and day out. And you, you might know that it's wrong, but you continue to practice it. And he's saying that when we have selfish ambitions and dissensions and heresies, they, it's kind of, you know, really when you think about these three, that one leads to another, right? Selfish ambition is really a, a desire to be recognized. It's, it's kind of a, a hunger for power or control or money. That'd be selfish, like when you're selfishly wanting something. something. The second thing is dissension, and that's kind of a different word, but, but it's, it, dissension is creating division. It's, it's the person who sows discord maybe in a family or sows discord in a church or maybe they sow mistrust uh, um, in, within leaders. You know, maybe they talk about a leader and they say, well, you know, that, you know, you really have a gifting, but they don't recognize that. That's sowing mistrust in a person when that takes place. And so there's dissension. And then lastly, there's heresies or factions. And, and really that's the result. Uh, it's a separate group. It's, it's, it's a group group of people that have become, you know, they've listened to the person that talked about dissension and they form this group. And the next thing you know, you've got this small splinter group or this, you know, group of people within the church that, that are not united. They are, they are divided from the group. And in your notes here, we have to understand this, that, that selfish ambition is, is what? It's the motivation right? It's the motivation that a person has. Dissension or sowing seeds of discord, it is the method. So you have a motivation that's within a person, and then there's a method for it to take place through dissension. And then heresy and splinter groups or, or, or groupings of people is what we see, and it's what's manufactured. And so you know, one version or one translation says this, that selfish ambitions, divisions, and feeling that everyone is wrong ex- except those in the little group. And so it's just, we have to understand, you know, sometimes um, that if you come into contact with people that are living this way, you need to understand that, that even though they may say that it is spiritual, because that's a lot, oftentimes what it's kind of disguised as, you know, uh, selfish ambition and, and uh, heresy and some of those things, it's disguised in spirituality they 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 the person will think that they are more spiritual than whatever it is that they are criticizing or critiquing and so it's just it's just we have to understand that Paul said that's carnal and that is not unity that is division and so we really need to be on our guard you know as he said we have to be on our guard that we don't fall prey to to selfish ambitions that we don't fall into that trap because why remember Paul said that we need to strive for unity so you could also say it this way I'm if I'm if I'm striving for unity I'm striving to stay out of division I'm striving to not be a part of 
of things that are against leadership, against the house of God. You know, I may not agree, but, but you know, it's, it's kind of like, you know, you know, when you talk about unity and you talk about oneness and you might be thinking to yourself, well, I don't agree like them and maybe I vote differently than them or maybe I, you know, it, I, here's how I would liken it. It's kind of like me and my wife, right? My, me and my wife, we're united in marriage. We're one, right? But there are some things that we definitely differ on, okay? One of those things is my driving. She thinks that my driving is terrible. I think my driving is great. So, so there's, there is, you know, this idea that, you know, we are united, but we're not together on that idea. And I think that in the body of Christ, thank God, we're all different. You know, uh, every, every one of us that sits in this place, we all, we all are put together. We were wonderfully created by our heavenly father. We think differently. Some of you guys, I know you personally, you think squirrely, you know, and, 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 and so we all are different, but thank God that there's a difference among all of us, you know, but, but at the end of the day, we're united around what? We're, in, we're united around Christ's oneness. We're, re, we're united around the fact that Jesus was sent to mankind. We're united around this, this oneness that he wanted. Oneness in the body, oneness in the spirit. And so that's what we really, you know, it's, it's kind of like we live our lives not for what we are against, right? Because each and one, every one of us in here, there are things that we are against. And, but we don't live as a church, we don't live for the things that we're against. No, we live for the things that we are for. And that's what we're united around are, are the things that we live for. And so I wanna talk to you guys this morning here about five great things that unity will bring in your life. They'll bring them in your life, they'll bring them in your marriage, they'll bring them in your home, they'll bring them in our church, they'll bring them into our lives if we, if we uh, walk in unity. But I also wanna know, you know, we also wanna know that, that these five things we could miss out on these things if we are not in unity. And so I don't know about you, but I don't like missing out on things. If you've ever like found out somebody went out to eat at a really good restaurant and it's like, man, I missed out. You know, we, I don't want to miss out. And so that's what we don't want to miss out on. And, and that's what we'll look at here. Look at this in here in uh, Psalms 133, verse one through three. It says, behold, how good and pleasant it is for the brethren to dwell together in unity. How many of you guys would like to dwell together in unity in your home? How many of you guys would like to dwell together in unity in your marriage? How about your business or your place of work? Would you like to dwell together in unity in your, in your work? When you go to work, people are just happy and things are good and, and, and you dwell together in unity? I, that's what I want. Well, that's what we're reading here. For brethren, dwell together in unity. It goes on, it says, it's like the precious oil upon the head running down on the beard of Aaron, running down on the edges of the garment, and it's like the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion for there the Lord is commanding the blessing, life evermore. So number one today, the first point that we take from this scripture when it comes to this idea of, of great things that we will have as a result of unity is number one, when we dwell together in unity, it is good and pleasant. It's good and pleasant. Now, the opposite side of, what, of good and pleasant is what? Bad and unpleasant, bad, or bad and unpleasant, right? I, I think about it this way. How many of you guys, like, when you walk into the house and maybe the trash didn't get taken out and, you know, your wife or somebody took, put some chicken in there and it's been there for a few days, what is that? 
That is bad, right? That is unpleasant, right? So when you walk in the door, it's like, oh my goodness, what is that smell, right? Now then there's the nights where you walk in and your daughter decided to bake some chocolate chip cookies and it's warm and you walk inside and then what is that? It's good and it's pleasant, right? That's what unity is. Unity is like a chocolate chip cookie, a warm chocolate chip cookie that smells good. I don't know that there's anybody in here that doesn't like a warm chocolate chip cookie. And if you don't, there's something wrong with you. But no, unity, when we dwell together in unity, it is good and it is pleasant right? Your home is pleasant. Your marriage is pleasant. This, this house is pleasant. You know, recently I was talking with a friend who started a new job and, uh, you know, we, we hadn't talked for a while and says, Hey, you know, how's that, how's that job going? And, and, uh, they were just like, man, it's just awesome. This job is great. I, I, I love my job. And so they were, she was just going on and on about this job and just everything that she, you know, is so good and great about this job. And then she continued on and she's like, and not only do I love the job, it's like every person that I meet, it seems like they love their job too. And I was like, wow, I was just like kind of mesmerized by this conversation, you know, and, and, but, but the thing is, is that what that is, is that's good and it's pleasant. When she, when she goes to her job, it's good and pleasant because she actually talked about her old job and she said, you know, if you were to go back there and you were to uh, talk to all of the people that I used to work with, you wouldn't get necessarily that same report. It, it wasn't necessarily great. The, the culture or the, uh, uh, you know, the culture that was in the place was not a positive culture. And so at this new place, it was positive. It was good and, and it was a pleasure to go to work. And obviously other people that were at this place it was pleasurable for them. And so, you know, as I began to think about this, I was like, what, what creates this? You know, because the initial thought that I had was, is like, wow, man, she has that, she has that at her job. I was thinking to myself, man, we need to, we need to make sure that that is what people are saying when they come to this house, when they come to Fellowship Church, when they leave this place and they go out into the world, that they have a positive report and they're talking about the good and the pleasant things that go on at Fellowship Church. That's what I want. And so I ask these questions within myself, you know, what creates this? What sustains this? What stops this? What are the enemies to this? And, and we kind of looked at those things before, that, that it's selfish ambitions, it's dissension, and it's heresies that will kill the unity that is in a place. It'll kill that, that positive culture. And so I actually was talking to another individual that worked at this place and I was just kind of quizzing them on what they thought it was. And, you know, they, uh, they, they said, well, we, we, it's probably a matter of hiring to it, you know, so we, we make sure that we're hiring the right people. Another thing that was stated was is that they extend trust to, uh, to these employees, making sure that, that, uh, that they trust them. We trust you until you make a really bad decision. Then the trust goes away, you know, and, and so, but as I, as I walked away from it, I thought to myself, you know, those are all great points, but really at the end of the day, what it is is that there's unity, right? Unity occurs when people are united in action and in passion for a common cause. 
So it doesn't matter. I mean, in this instance, it's, it, was, it was at a job and they, they're in one industry. It could be in a construction business. It could be in an insurance industry. It could be in, you know, in a school. You know, many times we, see, we hear many, many bad reports about uh, uh, the culture uh, within a school and within schools not being positive, that the teachers don't have a good outlook. Well, you know what? That can be changed. It can be changed when people strive for unity, when they strive for oneness, when they don't allow s- selfish ambitions and heresies and things like that. To, to, to prevail in those environments. And so when, when there's unity, it's good and it's pleasant. When there's no unity, it's bad and it's unpleasant. Uh, I like what the Spanish Bible says that bueno y delicioso is what that says in that, I know, I know, I, I just was curious, but, it's, but what is that? It's good and delicious, kind of like the warm chocolate chip cookie, right? It's bueno, delicioso. I think I got that right, you know, and so it's good and delicious. When there is unity, it's positive, it's good, it's pleasant, it's sweet, and I hope, and I, and you know, I think that sometimes, you know, I'm sure that there have been people that come, have come into our house and left the house and they were like, man, that smelled like bad chicken. But I'm sure that there are other people that have come into this house and it's been sweet, it's been pleasant, it's been good. And that's what we really need to strive for. When we have unity, when, when all of us are in unity with one another, I don't care who your team is today and, and who, who you want in the Super Bowl, it doesn't matter. You know, we've got the, the Chiefs and we got, you know, the people over here and they don't, you know, listen, you can have your differences of team, but at the end of the day, when it comes to the house of God, when it comes to Jesus and what it is that he's wanting to do on this earth, we are united. We're united in what it is that he wants to do. And when we, when we have that, it's good and it's pleasant. When people come in, it smells sweet, right? And that's what we need to strive for, amen? Psalms 32, or 133 verse two says also, it goes on to say, it's like a precious, it's like the precious oil upon the head running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron running down on the edges of his garment. The second thing that you need to know, and, and this might be a little bit, you know, you may not understand what this means, but, but for the sake of this point, the presence, the second thing that, that unity will bring when we dwell together is presence and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. You know, anointing is, is, is really, it's the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit on the life of a believer. It's the empowering presence of the Holy Spirit that enables us to do the works of Jesus. And so, you know, like just as Aaron, if for those of you that may not know, Aaron was the very first high priest. And so he was anointed with this oil and it covered him. And oil throughout the scripture is really a type and a shadow of the Holy Spirit's presence. And so what we have to understand is is that you know when there is unity the 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 presence of the holy spirit is on our life and it's and and as as we read here it's not just on the priest it's not just on the person that that is in the five-fold ministry that's standing up here that's it's not just that because you remember in the verse of scripture it, it it was poured on the head and it ran down the body and 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 it ran down the garment and so the same thing is true within the church. It starts at the top, and, and when there's unity, the presence and the anointing of God is poured out on all of us. It's, it, it, and, and what it does is it flows down on you, and as you go out, you are empowered by the Holy Spirit to do the works of Jesus. You know, uh, and we don't need to get into that, but you know, Ephesians talks about that, that, that leaders and pastors are really to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. And so the anointing, 
anointing or the presence of the Holy Spirit is not just on me, okay? It's on you. It comes down, and when we have that unity, it's pouring out, it's flowing out, and it's flowing onto all of us. But man, if, you want, if we want to stop the presence of God, if we want to stop the anointing of God in this house, just be ununified. And so we have to be unified because then we have the presence and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. You guys remember in Acts 2, verse 1, it says, and on the day of Pentecost uh, had fully come, they were what? They were all with one accord. What does that mean? They were all together. They were all united. They were all together. And, And what happened? The Holy Spirit was poured out. And if you continue to read in that chapter, what happened after that was is that Peter went out and, and, and 3,000 people got saved. And, but if you also read, Peter didn't go alone. It says that there were people together with him. They were united. The disciples went with him. And so they went together. And as a result, the, the, the anointing and the presence of God was on what it was that they were doing because they were united. And so we need to understand that that is another reason that we will have When we live and dwell in unity, we will have the presence and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. The third one is, is that unity brings refreshing. Verse three says, it's like the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion. What is dew? Dew is refreshing. Right, I've been going, been preaching hard at you guys. I am dry, okay? I'm gonna refresh myself. Hmm. Yeah, it's great. How many of you guys, think about a time in your life when you were really, really, really thirsty. Anybody in here think of a time when they were really, really thirsty and they did not have water? I flash back to my days in track, high school track, and it was hot and it was windy and the coach just had a kind of a burr under his saddle and that day he was gonna make us run like 10 400s, like, you know, just one right after another, you know, and you get, it's like, I got this, 10, no problem. You get to three and it's like, I'm dying and you didn't bring a water bottle or anything you know and so you're you're thirsty you need refreshing and that's what happens when we have unity is is that the minute that you you know when you were in that thirsty moment you needed a drink so bad you just hmm oh yeah it's refreshing this is good water pastor mike really likes this water fiji water and it is refreshing And that is what unity, when we dwell together in unity, it brings refreshing. Just like Fiji water, it brings refreshing. It's like the dew, you know, that uh, it it speaks of, it's refreshing. And so, you know, do do you need refreshing today? Is there something in your life that's like, it's dry? And it's just like, you know, mundane and it's just day after day. You know, maybe it's, maybe it's a situation at work. Maybe it's, you know, something that's going on in the business that you're running. Maybe it's in your marriage or maybe it's with your kids. It's like, it just seems like the same thing. Why can't we break out of what it is that's going on? Well, I'm here today to tell you that this, this, this idea of unity might be what it is that's, that is the linchpin that's keeping you from receiving the refreshing that you need in your business or in your marriage. And so uh, um, when we live in this unity, it brings uh, good and pleasant things. Uh, We have uh, the presence of God and it's refreshing. That's what he wants. Look at Acts 3.19. It says, repent therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. I thank God that, that he wants us, he wants us to be refreshed. 
But he also wants us to live in that place of unity. And when we live in that place of unity is when we will receive the refreshing from him. So uh, Psalms 133 goes on to say here in verse three, it says, for there the Lord commanded the blessing. He commanded the blessing. Number four in your notes is, is that when we live and dwell in unity, God commands a blessing, a blessing of eternal life. He, he commands a blessing that people will, will be found, people will be saved. It's, it's the greatest blessing of all, that, that mankind is saved. That is the heart of our Father, is that people are saved and brought near to him. And he says that when our house when this house, when Fellowship House dwells in unity, he commands a blessing. We looked at this scripture here uh, uh, when we uh, gave of our tithes and our offerings. It's the same thing and the same principle is true in our personal lives and in our families. When, when we have unity in our marriages, God commands a blessing right? When we have unity in our businesses, when we're striving and we're, we're uh, you know, standing up for the things that are not right and, and, and addressing the things that are incorrect in businesses and things like that, we're striving for unity. And when we strive for unity, God will command his blessing. It is a, it's just a biblical principle that no matter what area of our lives, if we are um, striving for that unity, God is going to command the blessing. And I looked at, I looked command up. And you know, a lot of times, like actually I thought about this, the first thing that came to me, and I know it's so silly, when we went on, we went on a skiing trip years ago with, when we were teenagers, and <clears throat> we were in one room, and dad and mom were in the other room, and my brother, he, you know, if anybody's met Greg, he's just a, he's just a fun-loving guy. And so he was, we were talking and dinking around and laughing, you know, and, and dad, he was tired, okay? You know, he had spent a lot of money, and it had been a long, long day, and we were skiing, and he was actually in the other room, and, and you know, and so he, he wasn't having any fun and uh, he was uh, not enjoying our talking and he wanted to go to sleep. And so, you know, all of a sudden from the other room, we hear a command, go to sleep, right? And Greg's like, or I will put you to sleep. <laughs> and that's not what dad said. He wasn't command, he was, Yes, he was commanding us. He was commanding us. And that's what God does is that he commands a blessing, right? It's an, it's, it's a, it's an instruction. Uh, another thing that I read here was is that he sends it. His command, when he commands something, he's sending something. When dad said, go to sleep, that command sent fear into my heart. But it did not send fear into Greg's heart, okay? Greg just... He's not afraid of anything, I guess. But that's what a command will do. And the command of God, the command of his blessing on our life is sent to us. And it's sent to us when there's unity. When there's unity in our marriage, when there's unity in our home, when there's unity in our, our businesses and in our, in our church, he's commanding his blessing. And I don't know about you, but I want God to be sending his blessing to Fellowship Church. I want him to, to send people so that we can be utilized, we can be used, you know, and, and, and here's the problem, when we're, when we're fighting and bickering, and, and I'm not saying that that's going on, I'm just saying we gotta avoid that. 
We have to stay away from the bickering, the fighting, and the, and the, the differences of opinions and how things should be done. No, we are all about the Father's business. We're going to put our hand to the plow. We're going to do what it is that we need to do. We're going to love people. We're going to strive that it's good and pleasant in this house when people come in. That's, the stri- that's what we're striving for. We're not talking about somebody behind their back or, or, or you, know, you know, carrying on this conversation that's not uplifting, but it's divisive in nature. No, we refuse. And, 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 and the other side of it is that if we find ourselves in that kind of a conversation, we shut that thing down. Why? Because we're shutting down division. When, when we smell that unpleasant smell of division, we shut it down. We say, no, no, and, and, it's, and it doesn't have to be mean. You don't have to come out and say, you are a selfish, you know, heresy person. You gotta stop this. And that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying, what you're talking about is not good. It's not pleasant. And I'm not, I'm not, gonna, I'm not going to talk about that. I'm not going to participate in that. You're gonna have to find somebody else to talk about that with. Because if you're that person, and I'm not saying that there's anybody in here, I'm just saying if you find yourself being that way, you are a divisive person and God's blessing will not be on your life. And and so it's just so important that we resist division in our lives because we want God's blessing. And so we have to strive for unity. The last thing that unity will bring is found here in Genesis 11. And you guys have heard this story. It's, It's the Tower of Babel. You know, it's a negative story with a positive principle. Look at what it says here in uh, Genesis 11, verse one. It says, now the whole earth had one language and it had one speech. And that they said to one another, come, let us make bricks and and bake them thoroughly. And they uh, uh, had bricks and stone and they had asphalt uh, for mortar. And they said, come, let us build ourselves a city, a tower whose top is to the heavens. Let us make a name for our ourselves let us uh, lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth you know and so what we see here is is that these people were developing in their ability to engineer things and they and they they just decided you know what they had one vision, they had one, one purpose, they, were, they had one voice. You know, they really kind of had, they had unity, but the problem is, is that their unity was for selfish gain. It was really to, to you know, put themselves up on a pedestal and say, look at, it, look at what it is that we have done. And God said, no, 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 no. There's only one person that you're going to magnify, and that's me. And so look what he did. He, he came down here in Genesis eleven six. It says, and this is what he said. Okay, and this is the powerful principle that we can get from this. He said, look, he said, the people are united and they all speak the same language. After this, nothing that they set out to do will be impossible for them. And so number five in your notes is is that when we're united, nothing is impossible. You know, God said to, to these people that, you know, to this situation that was, it was negative. It was not positive. There was no glory being brought to him. He shut it down. He separated them. He, he, he made them have many language and they, you know, were pushed away and all of that. But his point, God's point was, and, and what we can gather from this is, is that when we're united, nothing's impossible. That's why, why at the very beginning of the message today, Paul said right after he talked about the church and, and the design and the, and, the, and the layout and what it is that God wanted, he, he, the very first thing that he took up was what? 
unity, that we dwell together in unity. And so when we do these things, we're gonna have good and pleasant. It's, it's, there's gonna be his presence, his anointing is gonna be on our lives, it's gonna be refreshing. He's gonna command his bless, blessing and not only that, nothing will be impossible, amen? And, and just a few quick notes here, just as we bring it to a close, you know, that, that when, when there's division in the church, we lose the unity. So we can strive for unity, but if we allow the division in the church, we will not have it. Look at what, he, look at what Paul said here in 1 Corinthians 1, 10 through 13. It says, now I plead with you. That's pretty, that's pretty intense. Paul's like, I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. And so here we see that, that he was pleading. But when you look at this, this word of division, it really means to rend or to tear something. And, and the idea is, is that when, there is, when there's disharmony in the house, whether it's in your home, whether it's in your business, and you allow that disharmony, what it's doing is, is it, it's, it's tearing it apart. It's tearing it apart from the inside out. And so it's, that's why it's imperative that as, as married couples and as families and as businesses and as churches that we are not allowing disharmony to take place because when, it, when, it, when that happens, it tears. It te tears apart the power or the ability. I heard this story one time about these two brothers in the Midwest, they got this big piece of property that was given to them and, and they were out there one day and they found this big giant gemstone and the thing was really, really valuable. And, and so, but th what happened was is that they began to argue over who found it and whose it was and all this stuff. And so they had this bandsaw out in the, in the barn. So they take this big giant gemstone, it's super valuable, and they go out to this bandsaw and they just run it right down this bandsaw and they cut it into two. And then they, these brothers, they go and they find somebody to, to buy this gemstone and they go to this you know, guy that's gonna buy it and the guy's like, why did you cut this in half? He goes, you know, it's, it's valuable. And, and basically each half brought 60,000 a piece. So $120,000, that's a lot of money. But he's like, had you left it as one, this thing would be well worth over a million dollars. And so the same idea that when this, when this gemstone was split in two, its power, its ability, its, its, its power to bring a million dollars was cut and torn and lost. And the same thing is true in the church. That when we, when we allow disharmony, it cuts and, and, it, and it, it causes the church to be unable to operate in power and in strength. It, it, you know, and, and it's kind of like limps along. And so that's why it's so imperative for, for you and I to strive for unity in our own life, strive in our marriage, strive in our family, strive in unity for the church. It doesn't just stop with our life. It doesn't just stop with our marriage. It goes way beyond it. It's, and it's like we talked about last week that, that our influence in this world is, is so much greater than just our little world. You know, and yes, he'll command his blessing and your life will be blessed as a result of having unity in your marriage. But I don't know about you, I want my life and what we do when we come together, you know, when we're brought together, we have more strength. There's more ability. It's, it's like uh, these Belgian horses. I mean, how many of you guys have ever seen a Belgian horse? They're, they're huge. They're a huge animal. And by themselves, these things can pull like 8,000 pounds. It says that when you put two of them together, that they don't even 
know one another. They're, you could take one from Texas and one from Iowa and you put them together. Those two animals, I don't know why I picked Texas. Texas is a great state. You put two of those together, they can pull 24,000 pounds. Isn't that amazing? But if you take two that were raised together and they and they 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 they're maybe their family and they're together and they're close and they're you know trained together and all these things, those two animals can pull thirty-two thousand pounds. That's four times what one person or one horse could do. Now think about that in the church. When it comes to unity, you know, I myself might be able to pull 8,000 pounds, but guess what? If there's one, two, three, four, 200 of us gathering together, our strength, our ability, our power in this region, in this area is multiplied. And so it's just imperative, guys, that we are protecting unity. We are striving for unity with, with one another in our church so that our church can be, uh, you know, uh, God's, his plan, his power, his purpose, what it is that he wants to do in this region. We're not hindering that. I don't want to get to heaven one day and, and, he, and he's, he's like, well, you know, there was a few things that you, that, that, that you missed and one of those was unity. That's why you were held up and you couldn't do what it is that you wanted to do. And so that's why we're having, and that's why Paul talked about unity right after he talked about the plan and that's why we're talking about it today. It might not be something that's fun. You know, we don't wanna talk about divisions and selfishness and all of those things, but the reality of it is that we are better together when we walk and dwell and live in unity, amen? And so, one question you might be asking yourself, what do I do with the person or someone that continues to spread dissension? And you guys don't have to turn there, but in Romans 16, seven, it says, note who they are and avoid them. Note who they are and avoid them. Because here's the thing, guys, is that we can strive for unity in this house, but there are gonna be those that we come into contact, they're, they're believers, and they just, are critical and they are criticizing and fault finding and they, and they are the ones that Paul spoke of here that they never have a good report. And the reality of it is, is that you can say, well, I can, I, can, you know, I can hang out with them and everything's fine. No, it isn't because birds of a feather flock together, right? You may not be like that. You may not be a person of division and dissension, but if you keep hanging out with them, their attitude, their mentality and how they see things in life is gonna be exactly what you become. And so Paul says, listen, if that's the way they are, you need to avoid them at all costs, amen? And so when we do these things, guys, there's great blessing on our lives. There's great blessing on our family. And so I'm excited about our future. I'm excited about what it is that God's wanting to do. You know, we're seeing, you know, we're seeing in the word last week that God wants to do great things. And I know that as we strive to live and walk in unity, he's gonna be able to just open up our lives. He's gonna open up our marriages, open up the things, you know, that he wants to do. But when we've gotta be making sure that we are striving to be in unity. Amen? Amen. Well, let's, let's bow our heads and just commit this to the Lord. Father, we just come before you today. And we thank you so much for your word. Father, we know your word's alive. It's powerful, Father God. It changes us. And so, Father God, today, today as we bring our service to a close, Father God, we just do exactly what it is that, uh, that Paul instructed us to do. So many times, so many times in the New Testament, things that we didn't even cover, he spoke of unity. He encouraged us. He told us to strive for unity. And so today, Father God, as a family, 
of believers, Father God. We just strive for unity. And Father God, as we commit this today, Father, I pray for, for, for families. I pray for marriages, Lord, that, that maybe have been torn apart. Father, that, that have been torn apart by division and divisiveness and words that have hurt. And so, Father God, today I just pray, Lord, that there would bring that you would bring a healing power to that to that relationship, Father. That that that, that those couples and those families would would uh, uh, come to one another and pray with one another and and confess and repent their their sin to you, Father God. And Lord, I pray that as they do that, as they they repent for the divisive nature and divisive things that have happened, I thank you, Father God, that your healing power will flood that situation, it will flood that marriage, it will flood that business, it will flood it with your healing power and unity will be brought back in and there will be health and wholeness and your blessing will return to that family and to those families in Jesus' name. We thank you, Father God, for the power of unity. And we thank you, Father, for the presence and the anointing of the Holy Spirit to see it take place today in the name that is above every name. And we thank you, Father, for it. And as we continue with every head bowed and every eye closed, the most important thing that we do in this house, and that is asking people that, that are far from God to make a decision for him. If you're that person in this place today and you know him, but you're far from him, today is the day that you need to get your life back to him. You need to make a decision and you say, Brian, that's me. And just raise your hand and say, I, that's me. I need to recommit my life. Is there anybody in here? Anybody at all? And also if you've never made a decision to, to ask Christ to be your Lord, if you don't even know him, and all of this stuff may, may seem, you know, kind of different to you, you're, but you're, there's something on the inside of you that's scratching to say, yeah, that, I, I, I need that. I need what it is that you're talking about. That's, that's him. That's the Lord speaking to you, and he wants to be in relationship with you. And so if you're that person and you don't know him, today is the day. Raise your hand. Say, Brian, I want to give my heart to Christ. Is there anybody in here? Anybody at all? All right. Father, we just come before you. Father, we thank you for our time. I thank you, Father God, for the word that's powerful. I thank you, Father, for the great unity that Fellowship Church has. In this day, in the weeks and months and years to come, Father God, that we will strive. We will strive to live and walk in unity, Father God, so that your great things can take place in our lives, through our lives, and through this church. And we just thank you, Father, for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, hey, we're gonna do, we're gonna sing one last song. And if you guys, if there's anybody in here that you need prayer for something, our prayer team will be right down here on the side. You can come right, walking right through here or you can walk around back, whatever you feel comfortable doing. They are here for you. They care about you. And they are people that, that, that uh, they understand the word. They know the word. We have resources. And so you can come down here and they'll agree with you in prayer. You know, the, the word of God says that if any two of us agree is touching anything, it will be done. And so if you just need someone to agree with you, 
take advantage of the opportunity and go down here and agree with somebody. I, I, I promise you that, that you will have great results. God will watch over his word to perform it in your lives. Amen? Amen. Well, hey, join me and let's sing, sing and worship our Heavenly Father as we bring this to a close and commit this time to him just with everything that's within you. Don't, don't, don't stand back and say, well, we got three more minutes. No, 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 no. This is the last part. This is the best part. This is the two minute. We got to push to the end and worship him with everything that's within us. Amen. Amen. Let's worship him.